You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church. This is Kyle Worley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jen Wilkin. Hey. JT English. Hi. On today's episode, we're going to join Paul as he's on trial before people. Why are y'all laughing? Come on, Because if we, if it's ever disclosed how many outtakes we have of Kyle saying to JT, I'm going to punch you in the mouth. There's there's a lot. There's a lot. And and weirdly enough, in this story, Paul gets punched Punched in in the the mouth. mouth. So full circle. Mm -hmm. On today's episode, we join Paul as he's on trial before people, rulers, and tribunals, and ends up in prison under a guy named Happy. So hope you enjoy the discussion. Hey y'all! What are you reading or listening to right now? You're reading. You're reading a book. A I'm big reading book. a book. I feel like I've talked about this on here before. It's a big book. I'll probably read it for the rest of the year. It's by Tom Holland called Dominion: How Christianity uh, Made the Western World. I think is the yeah. subtitle. It's fascinating. It's really good. It's a really really good book. There's a few interviews online too with him about the book. If you don't want to read the whole book, uh, it's really about how. So this guy <clears throat> grew up an Anglican. And he saw a flannel graph with like Adam and Eve and a dinosaur. <laughs> and he was like, these people are idiots. I can't be a Christian. And so he spent the rest of his life becoming like a scholar of, of, of the ancient world. Like he studied Persian, <laughs> Babylon, uh, Rome, Greece. And he realized over time as he studied uh, the way they had you know, structured their civilizations that so much of the West was not dependent on those ancient traditions but on Christianity. Hmm. And he basically shows kind of the subversive nature of, of a Christian worldview and how Christian thought has shaped the Western world more than any – he's not a Christian. No, he's not. But he's, he's making – and you've read the book. Oh, the book is good. Yeah. Yeah. The book I'm, is I'm, good. I'm describing it right. Yeah, it's narrative history. Yep. So He's a ju- good writer. He is. Like it's not like a – it's not a – when you think of a history book, you think of just a lot of like here's this date and a bunch of names and it's pretty dry. No, it's it's a, not it's like that story. at all. It's a story and yeah. it's mm-hmm. really good. Um, I, I bet it would be a good audio book to listen to as well. We should get him on the podcast. Oh, man. I wonder if we can. Let's but, give it a shot. Yeah, we should. We should ask around. Ryan, you think you make that happen? Thanks, Ryan. Thank R- you. Ryan gave the nod. Perfect. You reading anything good? Listening uh, to anything good? You know what? I've been watching something that's interesting, okay. and I don't watch a lot of TV, so. What is it? It's Cheer. Have you seen this? Oh, Wait, Macy, the Netflix show? Macy has seen yeah. an episode. She said yeah. she loved it. I am in. Yeah. I have one more episode to go, so I don't know what's going to happen, okay. but I am in. Okay, so for the listeners who don't know, well, what is I don't want to give. I don't know how much of it I can give away. So it sounds like it's about um, college cheerleading. That's but what it sounds like. To it's me. really, it's you know, it's all the backstories mm-hmm. on, on the kids who are on the Navarro Junior College uh, cheer squad. Yep. And like, I'm not in cheerleading. I was not a cheerleader. Nothing about me is cheery. Okay, and uh, it's it's just a really good storytelling. Like the way that they're weaving together all the different. Um, backstories is really really good and it's just unexpected and I had that's what I had heard is everybody would be like it's not about cheerleading and I'm like oh well it really looks like it is mm. and so yeah I've got I've got the last episode to get through tonight cheer yeah all right I even sucked Jeff into watching it with me for so. real mm-hmm. yeah okay Pretty proud of that all right are you guys doing cheers not yet okay. but we're working up some stuff you yeah. are <laughs> it's gonna <laughs> be big can't wait to can't wait to see it. <laughs> can't wait to see it. um all right well great well last time we left off with paul we're standing on the steps outside the military bar- barracks uh acts 21 it says in verse 37 as paul was about to be brought into the barracks he said to the tribune may i say something to you and he said do you know greek are you not the egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led the four thousand men of the assassins out into the wilderness Paul replied, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, 
motioned with his hand to the people, and when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. Okay, so here's Paul. He's standing on the steps of the barracks. He's, mm-hmm. he's there. He was being brought to the barracks because... He was about to get killed. Right, for his own safety. Yes. And so they were like, great, let's get him in here so that the mob doesn't kill this guy. So they're bringing him into the military barracks. He's, he's up there on the steps, and he's like, I need to address the crowd. So now we're going to hear from Paul. Right. And now this is a long, long speech. And uh, we're not, I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm, I'm going to hit a few high points if that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, first, though, just remember, like, yeah. this is sort of a roughly parallel story to what we saw happen in Ephesus. Right. Uh, but this time it's Jerusalem. So whereas Ephesus would have been a Gentile city, now he is in the heart of Judaism. And, yes. and he is now going to be, you know, rejected there. And he's, so. having, he, and he's making a case. Right. And it's significant that the he's given the opportunity to make sure. his case. You can tell that the... The uh, commander realizes he's a person of significance. Like, we don't know who this Egyptian is, but historians will tell you that he it was a major revolt that this guy staged. And so the fact that that's who he's associated with is is showing that the official understands that Paul, whoever he is, Mm -hmm. he's a big deal. Yeah. And then when he speaks um, in in Aramaic, Mm -hmm. he's like, oh, dude. Yeah. yeah, I can step on up. Yeah, let's go. So it says he. Her, uh, and when they heard that he was addressing them in Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. Mm-hmm. So now this, what sounds like a largely Jewish audience, is mm-hmm. listening to Paul. Mm-hmm. He begins with, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel. Now, just right there, he's dropped a mic, right? Yeah. Because Gamaliel is a power player. Yeah. Yeah. So Well, and Tarsus also. Yes. This was something that I learned um, when we were going through this portion of the text, that Tarsus was a place where it was like, it's like being like, no, listen, I'm from New York City. Like, it was a place right. where people went, oh, right. you're yeah, yeah. not like a country bumpkin. You're <laughs> someone sure. who's educated. Yeah. And, and you sat born. with Gamaliel, and Gamaliel's right. a right. Jewish super, superstar as far as rabbis right. go. So right. Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day, I persecuted this way, which in Acts becomes shorthand for. Jesus, Mm -hmm. the way of Jesus, to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers. I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. So he's telling his pre-conversion story. Listen, I am a Jewish intellectual who is zealous for the faith, and I've got all of the right credentials. Yeah, he's trying to curry favor yeah, and credibility. It's like a like, CV. It's like I'm, a resume. I'm basically yeah. one of you is yeah. what he's saying. I'm, yeah. I'm just like you. I've just – I've learned something new about who Jesus is. Yep. And he's don't, – don't miss that he's in bonds in Jerusalem right. about to be punished. And right. he's saying, no, this is what I used to do. I used so to do So like there's work. also yep. this the, – the irony of the image that would yep. have been hitting them too. Yeah. Then he moves through his conversion story on the Damascus Road. As I was on my way, I drew near to Damascus. And this is a story that we're familiar with. And he recaps it in almost exactly the same way here. He ends this talking about, listen, I was on the Damascus Road and Jesus appeared to me and he blinded me. I saw a light I didn't understand. And the Lord told me to rise and go into Damascus and there you'll be told all that is appointed for you to do. And then he moves to Ananias. And this is really his commissioning. Right, mm-hmm. that he's he's entered into Damascus, and Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of all by the Jews who live there, came to me and standing by me said to me, "Brother Saul, receive your sight." So he experiences a miraculous healing, and then he receives a commissioning, and the commissioning is, "Hey, you're going to go from here, 
uh, and you are going to be a witness to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it, then the last few verses, verses 17 through 21, he says, when I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance, saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness was being shed, I myself was standing by. This is a call back to the martyrdom of Stephen. And approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So it's at this point that the crowd loses their mind. They lose it. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. But why? Like, wh- wh- why is their reaction like this? Right? I mean, he, I mean, they say, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. <laughs> so Paul's given them their, his conversion story and his commissioning story, ending with, go away, God appearing to him in the temple saying, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. And then it says, and they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. What, why are they tripping out? Well, it says up to this word they mm-hmm. listen to him. So you have to ask what word. Yep. And the word is... The Gentiles. Right. It's when he says that he's been sent to the Gentiles that they lose it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because and and I think that it's that's got to be emphasized by the fact that he's praying in the temple, right? Mm-hmm. He's essentially saying God appeared to me in the temple. Mm-hmm. I was in a trance, and the Lord spoke to me, and He told me go to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit like, although Paul is more responsive, it's a little bit of the same kind of vibe you get from Jonah yep. among the people. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, go to Nineveh. And they're mm-hmm. like, no way. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I cannot stand to hear any more of it. Yeah, he's basically, so there's this prophetic tradition. You, Jeremiah has a similar experience. Jonah, Isaiah. Think of Isaiah seeing the throne room of God. That's what Paul, Paul is alluding to all of these mm-hmm. Old Testament pictures of prophets being addressed by God, called by God, seen by God. They see God. And he's saying, when that happened for me, you know who I saw? Jesus of Nazareth. You know what else I saw and heard? I heard him telling me to go to the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. This would have been so foreign to their imagination and outside what the customs of Jewish practice were that their reaction is not outrageous according to their worldview. No, I mean, it's a provocative speech and it's, it's provocative in the tradition of uh, the parables of Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, it's where he knows he, he is not, I do not think he is surprised one bit at the reaction of the crowd. Right. Uh, Because again, as we've mentioned earlier, he considers himself a man constrained. He is bound to this message and he, and as he had said earlier to the Ephesian elders, I did not shrink from saying the hard things to you. Now he will not shrink from saying the hard things here either. And he was expecting this. He, he was just says goodbye it. to the elders. And we just, in our last episode, mm-hmm. talked about the, the pain of a gospel goodbye. This is yeah. exactly what he knew he was going to go do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and it looks like in this moment, it, he's about to die, right? He's got a trump card here in a minute. Though. I mean, because in, <laughs> in verse 23, it's, and they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks, flinging dust into the air. The tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out why they were shouting against him like this. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, which that is a phrase you never want to hear, mm-hmm. um, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, is it lawful for you to flag uh, or flog? <laughs> Not flag. <laughs> is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? Uh-oh. Right? Yeah. That's a, th- this is a oh no moment. It's like pull, up, pull out the passport and you can't do this to me. Right, right, right. I mean, what, what, what's happening here? Because for us, this... Unless you've been in an international scene where you had to say, I'm an American citizen, yep. which is exceedingly rare. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that's what he's doing here. Yes. He's invoking the name 
He's like, this is Pax Romana, yep. right? I can, mm-hmm. I should be able to go anywhere here and not experience any kind mm-hmm. of harm, especially at the hands of Rome, right? Especially at the hands, yes, of, of, of authorities, of, a, of authority from right. Rome without yep. a trial, yep. right? Here I am. You've stretched me out to just investigate. Essentially, they're using torture. In the sense that I get here is he almost is using it as like political capital yeah. to let them go as far as they were oh, going absolutely. to go <laughs> yeah, and yeah, then call yeah. them on it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, they've his, stretched you know, them out. Okay? We already saw him do this yes. you know, in the in the earlier scene where he's he was in prison, where he's beaten and imprisoned without a trial. Right. And and he's like, oh, you guys are going to just like ask me to leave the city quietly? No, you come and walk me out the gates. you know. So he knows how to judge the moment and parlay this really important piece of information for its maximum use. Yeah, and and he, and he even like doubles down on it, right? Because it like goes up the chain of bureaucracy. Like mm-hmm. you can imagine, like one guy scurrying away. Yeah, to like another. you got to give some credit to the centurion because oh, yeah. he could have been like, "You're well, a liar," right? Just whatever. The crud out of him, but instead he's like, "I'm just going to go check on this." Yeah, he so he runs it up the chain of command, and eventually it gets to this tribune. The tribune comes and says, "Tell me, are you a Roman citizen?" And he said, yes. The Tribune answered, I bought the citizenship for a large sum. And then Paul like <laughs> drops the mic and he's like, I'm a citizen by birth. Boom. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Right. So, okay. So what's happening in this interchange is it was not uncommon for as Rome began to expand their civilization, it was not uncommon for them to have these territories, right? I mean, and of course, Paul is in one of those territories right now. He's under Roman rule. It's not Rome itself, but it is Rome and it's Roman for sure. Mm-hmm. And there were, uh, there was a, you know, like many ancient societies and some modern societies, there was a fairly defined class system and caste system. And what this, this guy is saying is I had to buy my way into Rome. Mm-hmm. Right. So clearly this is a guy who's not, a, who's not a Roman by birth. Mm-hmm. He's foreign born. He probably had joined or pledged fealty or allegiance to the military. He could have been a, he could have been for all we know, uh, because of Rome's expansive empire, he could have been from anywhere in that empire, mm-hmm. and he could be currently stationed here, right? Yeah. And so he's telling Paul, I bought my way into this. And Paul's saying, I didn't. I didn't. Right. I didn't. And so it's not um, that one of them is a greater citizen or less, but Paul is certainly saying, listen, I have not come by this by any means of duplicity. I have come by this citizenship, citizenship by birth. Right. Yeah. And um, this is this is a moment where they have to really grapple with it. it. Says those who are about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. And the Tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. So they know we have already crossed multiple lines here mm-hmm. with this guy. Mm-hmm. If he's a Roman citizen, we have we have done wrong. Mm-hmm. And it says, but on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he's being accused by the Jews, he unbound him and commanded the chief priest and all the council to meet. And he brought Paul down and he set him before them. So he's like, let's clear the air here. What's really happening? And so he gives Paul an opportunity to address the Jewish leaders. And he has a fairly interesting exchange here, right? Yes, absolutely. What's he say in uh, chapter 23? I mean, what's the general gist of this? He looks at the council. Brothers, I've lived my life before God in all good conscience. The high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. So stop right there for a second. This will actually keep going because this is high drama right here. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike. like this could be like a, like yeah. a daytime drama yeah. show. Yeah, this is law and order. It's <laughs> yeah. law and order. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, except you don't get to pop somebody in the mouth right. in right. an American court of law. Right. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Are you sitting to judge me according to the law? And yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck? 
those who stood by and said, would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, for it is written, you should not speak evil of a ruler of your people. So Paul kind of backs down there a little bit. Yeah, but but hang on, hang on, because this is the second Ananias that we've had right. in a short yes. period of time. And I think there's, a, there's an intentional contrast that's made here. If you were to flip back and look at verse 12, where Paul is telling the story of his conversion, he says, and one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. So you have this Ananias who is a man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there. And if you read the earlier account of Paul's conversion, it says that Ananias laid his hands on him and he received Hmm. his sight. Hmm. And so now we see this other Ananias, this anti-Ananias, if you will, who's presented to us, who also intends to have hands laid on Paul for the purpose of harming him. And so Paul lashes back and then, and then I I do like, I kind of wonder if he really means it when he's like, oh, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't know who you were. (laughs) I kind of sense what he's saying is, oh, really, that's the way that the high priest Mm. is going to act. You know, like nothing about your actions presents you as a high priest. But Mm. I think we have an an intentional contrast here between these two Ananiases and their laying on of hands. That's interesting. Well, there's definitely a contrast. And in the midst of that contrast comes, Paul sees an opportunity because it says, mm-hmm. he sees the yeah. one part were Sadducees <laughs> and the other Pharisees. And he cries out to them, brother, I'm a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. And it's with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I'm on this trial. And when he had said this, there's a dissension that arises between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Why is it? For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection. So Paul is like, he hits, like he, I mean, he's a man who knows his audience. He's like, listen, resurrection, and y'all. And the Sadducees, what do you guys think? Yeah, the Sadducees and Pharisees turn on one another. A great, a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party stood up, contended sharply. We find nothing wrong. They're like, oh, one of us, right? Yeah, like, he's trolling Christian, Christian Twitter. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or like maybe football analogy, like Dallas sports fans. You know, there's the when they played the Packers a few years ago, and Des Bryant had that catch that would have won them the game, but he didn't. Ca- like it was the catch that wasn't a catch that was a catch. So like if you're around, this would be like being around Packers and. Cowboys fans be like, well, what do you guys think? Did he catch it? Right, and right. just letting a riot go and, off. And that's exactly what happens mm-hmm. because they go after one another. And it says, when the dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, the language here is visceral, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring them into the barracks. And uh, so, yeah. So the, it says, the Lord stood by him and said, take courage, for you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem. So you must testify also in Rome. So here, like... God is it like I love this assurance of the Lord. You've listen, I brought you here to Jerusalem mm-hmm. so they could say the truth. Mm-hmm. And I brought you here to Jerusalem so that you could get to Rome. That's right. Because that's exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. That's right. So it turns out that the Lord wasn't just bringing him through uh to get to Jerusalem. He was bringing him through to get to Jerusalem to get to Rome. To get to Rome. And right. to get to Rome with the right kind of letter so that when he showed up, Paul's going to get to talk at the high levels mm-hmm. of Rome. Mhm. Quickly. Mm-hmm. He, he uses, I mean, Paul's tactics here are, are really marvelous because remember that the, the tribune is trying to determine what's really going on. And so Paul basically sets up a scenario where the tribune gets to see how, um, how divisive and destructive 
these people are who have laid a charge against him in the first place. So he basically just shows up the motives of everyone in the room, um, that they're all about strife and dissension. And, and the more that they fight among themselves, the more they look like a threat to Rome every bit as much as they look like a threat to Paul. So he's, he's really shrewd in the way that he, that he handles himself in mm-hmm. this particular instance. That's one thing that I think Luke is highlighting over and over is the shrewdness of Paul. He's mm-hmm. going to do it again uh, in, in the next chapter when he's has actually a conversation before Felix and he's, mm-hmm. Paul is, it can be easy to think that Christian ministry should not be shrewd. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and Luke is highlighting for us, no, 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 no. there's mm-hmm. really a way yeah. to be wise yep. and mm-hmm. to, to seek to um, have the way of Jesus go forward through certainly not toxicity, but through shrewdness and oh, yeah. finding the best way to have the message go forward. Oh yeah. And Paul is leveraging, he's leveraging the institutions and the codes of Rome. Yep. Right now. As as best as he can. Yes. Like a master. Yep. We live in a possession and money obsessed culture. But what does the Bible say about generosity? In his new book, A Short Guide to Gospel Generosity, author Nathan Harris shows us that the answer to our obsession with possessions is turning to the gospel, because only in the gospel can we find the type of life transformation that enables us to turn our focus from ourselves and back to others, to give generously, and to follow in the way of Christ. To learn more about the book, visit GuideToGospelGenerosity.com. That's GuideToGospelGenerosity.com. What bridge is God calling you to cross that the gospel might go forth among the nations? Women like Lilius Trotter, Harriet Newell, and Sarah Hall Boardman Judson have indeed crossed their own bridges to get to the lost. Discover the stories of 10 inspiring female missionaries who changed the world for Christ. 10 Women Who Changed the World is seminary president Daniel Aiken's powerful tribute to these women who fulfilled the Great Commission. May we all follow in their footsteps. 10 Women Who Changed the World is available wherever books are sold. Now, 2312 is a crazy moment because it says, When it was day, the Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath, neither to eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. Yeah. Now, they don't do that, so I guess all those guys never ate or drank again. But they are they are going for it. There were more than 40 who made this conspiracy. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, We have strictly bound ourselves by an oath to taste no food till we have killed Paul. Now, therefore, you, along with the council, give notice to the tribune to bring him down to you, as though you were going to determine his case more exactly, and we are ready to kill him before he comes near. Okay, so you've just read... Three verses, well, four verses, and three times in four verses we've heard kill, 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 mm-hmm. kill Paul, kill Paul, yep. kill Paul. Yeah, there is which a, is intentional. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're committed. Yeah, and it says now the son of Paul's sister. Hold on, Paul had a sister. Now the son of Paul's sister. I mean, <laughs> and some, nephew too. Yeah, I mean, we just think about yeah. these people as totally divorced from like mm-hmm. all normal things, mm-hmm. but like yeah. Paul's got a sister. He has a nephew. Now, the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush, so he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. Paul called one of the centurions, and essentially what ends up happening is the centurions come up like, no, we cannot allow this to happen. We have already – essentially, they realize we've crossed some lines here. we got to get this guy safely, and we need to get him to the governor. Mm-hmm. So it says in verse 23, he called two of the centurions and said, get ready, 200 soldiers <laughs> – with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen to go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night. 
They're taking this dude in the middle of the uh, night heck yeah. with an army. With an army. With an I mean, army. Like- <laughs> and so there were 40 super hungry, tired guys who were yes. coming after him to kill him. Yes. And yeah. And so Rome is like, oh, no, you didn't. Right. I yeah. mean, like. Yes, there's just no way there. It just becomes increasingly clear. There's no way they're not going to let Paul get to Felix. Um, and so, well, and so here you see, like he says, he's been called to the Gentiles, right? And he has zero credibility with the Jews, yeah. and one hundred percent credibility with the Gentiles, who technically are his captors right now, right? Yeah, yeah, and he gets he gets what is in the ancient with like ancient world would have been like the best escort mm-hmm. ever to mm-hmm. like. He just gets the highest kind of protection on his way there. And he appears before Felix in chapter 20, uh, chapter 24, uh, where Paul comes before Felix and they begin to talk. And um, Paul gets an opportunity to testify about what has been going on. It says, after five days, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders and a spokesman, one Tertullus. They laid before the governor their case against Paul. And when he had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him. And the accusation is essentially what? He has tried to profane the temple. Mm-hmm. We seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to find out from him everything of which we accuse him. So they join the charge. They're affirming it. And it says, when the governor had not affirmed to speak, Paul replies. And Paul begins to testify that God has been righteously judging his people, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says, I cheerfully make my defense. I love Yeah, that. which is kind of another uh, – <laughs> He's being shrewd again. Yeah. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, you've been a good judge of the law of yep. the land for such a long time. Mm-hmm. I trust yep. you with, to, mm-hmm. to be wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, you can, you can you essentially saying, listen, you can check it out. It's been no more than 12 days since I went up to worship Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. They did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd. He said, I confess to you that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers. So he's saying, listen, it's true. Mm-hmm. I, I, am, I am communicating something truthful and profound that they don't like. Having a hope in God, verse 15, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So he's essentially now appealing to the resurrection, Mm -hmm. which is the way he used to divide them, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, when they would have unjustly accused him. I always take pains to have a clear conscience towards God. And after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. While I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple without any crowd or tumult. He's essentially saying, I'm minding my own business in the temple. I'm not causing a disruption. Right. But some Jews from Asia, they ought to be here before you and to make an accusation should they have anything against me, or else let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they found. Other than this one thing that I cried out while sitting among them, it is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial before you this day. Mm -hmm. So essentially Paul says, listen, I came to Jerusalem for the feast with an offering. I'm in the temple, purified. I am a Jew. I have done nothing wrong here other than that they don't like what I'm saying about the resurrection and they don't like what I'm saying about Jesus. And yeah, yes, and Gentile mission. And Gentile mission. Yep. That's the big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it becomes really clear at this point that Felix is not going to be able to sort this out. Right? I mean, that's yeah. what he says. But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off, saying, when Lysias the Tribune comes down, I will decide your case. He gives orders to the centurion that she, he should be kept in custody, but have some liberty, and that none of his friends should be prevented from coming to him. And then you find out later, mm-hmm. what after some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was, who was Jewish. Who was dun, Jewish. Dun, dun. Exactly. Uh. And he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control, the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away 
for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for him often to converse with him. So like Felix is now trying. Like this guy, Felix, is an opportunist. He was apparently a bad dude. He was. And he's an opportunist. He's like, let's talk. And so Paul's talking to him about a lot of things that Felix doesn't like. I get the sense that Felix was maybe most upset about the righteousness, self-control, and judgment coming judgment <laughs> side of things. And he goes, I'll, listen, I'll, I'll holler at you later, Paul. Uh, and then he says, I hoped, it says, I at the same time, he hoped that Paul would give him money. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, this is like the, he, this guy reminds, Felix reminds me in this account of like a mob movie with like one of the underbosses. Mm-hmm. Not, he's not Caesar, right? Mm-hmm. He's not way up, but he's, he's far enough up in the organization where he can do a little bit of extortion on the side. I get the sense that Felix is trying to work a side deal here, right? Like, this is a Roman citizen, and Felix is like, listen, dude, like, can we just slap me a little bit of money, man? We'll let you out of here. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's also, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. No, for he's, sure. trying, he's trying to keep Drusilla happy yeah. here, too. And with she's a name Jewish. like Drusilla, she probably. Uh huh. She's named after a um, Disney um, a Disney villain uh, princess. Uh, <laughs> or vice versa. Or vice no. versa. Yeah. And it says, at the same time, he hoped that money would be given to him when two years had elapsed. Yeah. Wow. It's not good. Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus and desiring to do the Jews a favor. Felix left Paul in prison. I mean, come on. Yeah. Come on, Felix. Come on, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, Felix is two years later, Paul's still in prison. Mm-hmm. Just waiting. And so, where this is where Apparently, Paul didn't have a lot of money. No, clearly not. Uh, that or he was unwilling to use it. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, hey, I don't want to be bound here. I'm going to be, you know, this happened anyway. For sure. And it seemed yeah. like they had a fairly lax policy with Paul, right? Like, keep him here, but like, let his friends come to him and be kind of loose with them. But I think this it's fascinating because Paul, I think sometimes, even in my own mind, we think of Paul as the singularly directed, go, heading towards the mm-hmm. Gentile mission. Mm-hmm. But we forget there are big periods of his life right. where it's not his call. Like he's like... He, he's not like he chose to be imprisoned under Felix. No. It was, and that wasn't part of the mission. But God's using it. Well, and it's interesting, too, like that you see that his Roman citizenship seems to help him avoid a beating or being, you know, um, hurt by the wrong people. But then it stalls him out. He gets hung up in the bureaucracy for some – like it doesn't get him – out of jail. It's not a get out of jail free card. It just keeps him from being abused within the system, I mm-hmm. guess. And so kind of like you were saying, um, Kyle, like it's thing, things will move really quickly and then all of a sudden they're not moving at, at all. all. And that's the way that Paul's story has been. Like we, the conversion story, even that he just told, uh, has happened years ago. You know, like there was a 12 year period in between yeah. his conversion story and when he starts on his missionary journeys. And so he know, he's a man who knows how to wait. He yep. knows how to wait on, on what's next. But you have to wonder if at this stage in his um, ministry, he himself isn't surprised yep. to find himself two years dealing with this guy who just wants to be, to bribe, to be bribed. Yep. <laughs> I, I would have some questions for the Lord. I think I would too. What, what's going on? Yeah. What's the deal here? Yeah. Why am I lo- I'm locked up in this prison because this jabroni... Is not going to let me out unless I pay him money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's yeah. like, it's just, yeah. it's and, a bad midday drama is Fe- what it is. Felix's name, if my, if my high school Latin serves me well, and oh, it does, trust me, <laughs> uh, it means happy. 
So yeah. he's like, he's like working for Mr. Happy for two right, years. For sure. and you know, I mean, I think there's probably a little bit of a, you know, it's like, this is not a happy time for Paul. No, it can't not. possibly be. And yet he's got Mr. Happy over here In asking prison. him for, for money all the time. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, listen, this is where we're going to leave today. We're going to come back to finish out Acts in the weeks ahead. For more information, you can look into the show notes in the podcast description. We'd be honored for you to leave us a podcast review on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast. You can find us online at trainingthechurch.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter by searching Knowing Faith. We'll see you next time. Grace and peace. <laughs>